uh, in your bulletin, and I'm going to ask first that, uh, uh, that all of our own session members would come down and join me uh, at the front. You guys all clean up pretty good. Uh, we are privileged today to have uh, ruling elder Andy Cavanaugh with us from Wallace uh, a Presbyterian Church. That's the church that Frank came from. And I don't know if we should, uh, we want to thank you for doing such a good job. And I don't know if we should apologize for taking him away. Um, but we probably wouldn't mean it. So we're just going to stay with the thank you. Uh, and so glad that you're here to represent uh, Wallace uh, with us. And uh, we have um, a number of folks from Reformed Theological Seminary uh, here today. Uh, Dr. Peter Lee is here. Uh, he is the, uh, come on down. Yeah, Peter is a professor of Old Testament. So he speaks ancient languages. And uh, a wonderful teacher, well-loved. And we have Dr. Howard Griffith, who is, uh, teaches systematic theology which means he's really smart, and he's the academic dean and, uh, and sort of my boss when I teach there, so be really nice to him. The, uh, so we're so thankful, uh, Peter and Howard, that you could be here uh, to be part of this. You've had such a major part in Frank's life, and uh, we thank you uh, for training him, preparing him, and uh, that's uh, very important. Uh, Bill Fullove is not here yet. I understand he is on his way. So hopefully uh, he'll arrive soon. And then, uh, as I previously mentioned, uh, Butch Hardman is here. And uh, he is a senior statesman among us. Uh, we're so grateful. Uh, Butch spoke to one of our officer retreats. Had to be close to, what, six, seven years ago? And uh, just has touched countless lives and has had a wonderful ministry mentoring other pastors. That is a rare gift uh, in our circles. And it's hard to go anywhere, uh, at least in uh, Presbyterian circles in the greater D.C. area, where somebody doesn't mention uh, the impact that Butch had on their life. And so we are so pleased that he is here uh, with us today. All these people are here for a purpose, and uh, uh, so we're very grateful they are here uh, so that we can ordain uh, Frank Wong uh, today. And um, ordination is important. That's very much of an understatement. Frank is going to take vows today. We call them ordination vows. They are on par with such things as wedding vows. Um, in our uh, confession of faith. Those are exalted to a high place of great importance. They're not uh, uh, something I'll do if I think I can get around to it. Uh, these are binding commitments. And uh, we will be part of that today uh, as we ordain him and set him apart. A number of these uh, men have different roles in that. And... Uh, I'll let them sort of explain their part. But this is not Potomac Hills doing this. 
It is Potomac Presbyterian. I'd like to ask Dr. Griffith to come up and represent the Presbytery for that. Good morning. <laughs> Thanks for um, welcoming us as representatives of the Presbytery. Uh, we are all one church, and we gather together before the Lord. Uh, even though a number of the commission members don't worship here at Potomac Hills, Frank will be shepherding your young people, and so you have a deep interest in, um, in him and in his work. And the Presbytery also has um, an interest and, and, and is devoted to your young people and devoted to Frank uh, as we are one church. He's passed many tests, uh, both theological and personal, and today, after administering the vows, the church will testify publicly that God has called Frank to this ministry. So, so let me say a word to the elders here at Potomac Hills um, who have called Frank to be assistant pastor. Uh, when Timothy came to Corinth as a young minister, Paul charged the church to care for him. In 1 Corinthians 16, see that you put him at ease, since he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. And Paul cared that his son in the faith uh, be treated right. He was not just an employee, he was the Lord's servant. He came with the Lord's word. He was young, and young people can be dismissed. But success in ministry has a lot to do with how the word is welcomed. Frank is nurturing and watching out for your kids. He is a Princeton graduate, an RTS graduate. He's young and he is enthusiastic, but he also depends on you. So brothers, give Frank the respect that he's due because he's doing the work of the Lord. When he gives a great message, uh, give Frank the praise that he's due. Tell him why you thought it was good. Don't just tell his wife that you liked it, tell him. <laughs> Brothers, let, let Frank know that you have his back. And this maybe is the most important thing. Sometime or other, he'll make a big mistake in his teaching or maybe misunderstanding what's going on with someone. When he stumbles, pick him up. When people criticize him, make it your default position to defend his integrity. Take him aside and correct him. You are the fathers of the family. That's what elders are. They're fathers of the family. And people will follow your lead. So treat them as your younger brother. Every minister feels the weight of carrying people and speaking the word to their real needs. Frank needs your support. So get to know him and show him your love. Pastors don't make a lot of money, but be certain that his financial needs are being met. Be sure that he has enough time off to rest, enough time to enjoy his wife and his son, enough time to read and to grow in understanding the Lord. He needs everything you need as a shepherd, so see to it, brothers. Amen. Now let me ask the um, session of Potomac Hills uh, to respond to these questions, answer in the affirmative by raising your right hand, brothers. Do you, the elders of this congregation, continue to profess your readiness to receive Frank Wong to be your assistant pastor? 
Do you promise to receive the word of truth from his mouth with meekness and love? Do you promise to encourage him in his labors and to assist his endeavors for your instruction and spiritual edification? And do you engage to continue to him while he is your assistant pastor that competent worldly maintenance which you have promised and to furnish him with whatever you may see needful for the honor of religion and his comfort among you? Amen. That's the sessions part. Uh, Frank, now you get to come down and join us. We're going to get to your part. So if you'll come down and just stand here in the middle. Dr. Bill Fullove has arrived. Um, he is a, another professor of Old Testament at RTS, although he teaches in New York City. So, uh, but he lives here. And we are so grateful that you were able to come. He raced over after other teaching obligations this morning, and we're glad you can join us. Uh, and Dr. Fullove uh, has the questions, the constitutional questions, for Frank. So if you'll stand up here, and Bill, if you'll come up here, you can use the pulpit mic. Frank, we, um, we ask you these questions in confidence, but we still want you to feel the weight of them. So... On behalf of the Presbytery, let me ask you these. Frank, do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments as originally given to be the inerrant word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice? I do. Do you sincerely receive and adopt the confession of faith and the catechisms of this church as containing the system of doctrine taught in the Holy Scriptures? And do you further promise that if at any time you find yourself out of accord with any of the fundamentals of the system of doctrine, you will, on your own initiative, make known to your presbytery the change which has taken place in your views since the assumptions of this ordination vow? I do, and I will. And do you approve of the form of government and discipline of the Presbyterian Church in America in conformity with the general principles of biblical polity? Do you promise subjection to your brethren in the Lord? I do. Have you been induced, as far as you know in your own heart, to seek the office of the holy ministry from love to God and a sincere desire to promote his glory and the gospel of his son? I have. Do you promise to be zealous and faithful in maintaining the truths of the gospel and the purity and peace and unity of the church, whatever persecution or opposition may arise unto you on that account? And finally, do you engage to be a faithful and diligent in the exercise of all your duties as a Christian and as a minister of the gospel, whether personal or relational, private or public, and to endeavor by the grace of God to adorn the profession of the gospel in your manner of life, to walk with exemplary piety before the flock of which God shall make you overseer? I do. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Ask Butch if you would come up here. Uh, to the pulpit mic first, and Frank, if you will come over here and kneel down, and I will ask the entire commission, if you will come and lay hands uh, on Frank at this time. Make room for everybody to come in.
Let us pray. Almighty God, our gracious Heavenly Father, we come again to praise you for who you are and to say again that there is no other. You are great and therefore greatly to be praised. We realize you don't need our worship, but you have made us aware that you are so worthy of it. Thank you for this service, which, among other things, reminds us of your love for the church in giving gifts to men, and then giving those gifted men to the body of Christ. We especially thank you this morning for our brother Frank. Bless his walk with you. Enable him always to remember that you are the audience, that he is living his life in your presence. By your grace and the power of your spirit, Remind him to clothe himself with humility, to be realistic about the gifts you have bestowed upon him, but never to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, knowing that you oppose the proud, but keep on giving grace to the humble. Make Frank ever aware that he cannot glorify himself and Jesus Christ at the same time that he must always make a choice. Bless his ministry of the word. Anoint his preaching, teaching, and counseling. In every scene and circumstance, grant him the wisdom to know when to speak and when to be silent. Deliver him from the temptation of trying to be someone else, but enable him to look into the rearview mirror of his life and be reminded that you have designed him to be uniquely frank, conformed to the likeness of Jesus. Deliver him from attempts to be clever. Make him a godly example to fellow believers, to those who are outside of Christ. Teach him that not every sermon is proclaimed from a pulpit. By your grace and the power of your spirit, Keep him spiritually, sexually, and morally pure, looking away to Jesus. Teach Frank to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. And in the words of another, give him diligence as he leads, faith as he teaches, wisdom as he counsels, boldness as he rebukes, generosity as he gives, cheerfulness as he serves, and steadfastness as he labors. Father, we are so grateful for the way you led Frank and Sarah together, for giving them a partnership in the ministry. As you have promised, be at work in her that you might do your work through her. Teach her how to be what you designed her to be, a helper suitable for Frank, as together they minister in their home, in the church, in their neighborhood, and in the world. Remind each of them that marriage is a sanctifying opportunity. In the midst of their trials, troubles, and temptations, enable them not only to discern your sweet and precious providence, but the grace to embrace it. Enable them to focus on the positive aspects of their marriage rather than concentrating on anything that may disappoint them. Whatever comes, May they always remember that behind 
confounding providence, you hide a smiling face. That you are the only truly trustworthy person in the universe. Set a guard over their tongues. Teach them to weigh their words, being mindful of the blessing they can bring, but also how hurtful, how wounding wrong language can be. Grant Frank and Sarah wisdom and discernment for their parenting so that their home will be a godly place, but also a fun place under the lordship of Jesus. Righteous Father, we lift their son Nathaniel before you. May he grow to have great joy in his father's calling. May he grow up experiencing the church as his extended family. Protect him from the things that often entrap the children of pastors. Deliver others from holding Nathaniel to some unrealistic and artificial standard simply because his dad is a pastor. Instead, may fellow believers look for ways to encourage him to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Make Nathaniel an instrument of righteousness in your hands. Guard his heart. Make him a blessing to others. In the years to come, may he look back on his childhood as a gracious gift from you. Teach him that of all the families in which you could have placed him, you chose the one led by Frank and Sarah. As he grows up, May he remember to ask, Lord, what did you want to inculcate into my life by your sovereign choice of my parents? And may he never cease to learn wisdom from your answers. Loving Lord, we pray for this congregation. This congregation that Frank serves as an under-shepherd. Enable them to be attentive listeners and obedient responders to his ministry of the word. Remind them that they do not get the sermons they pay for, but the sermons they pray for. Call them to your throne of grace to uphold Frank and Sarah and their family. Bless the common ministry of this pastor and people. Multiply the blessing that comes from serving together. Deliver them from pettiness as they endeavor to glorify you. Teach them what it means truly to love one another. Holy Father, may Frank learn to pray, O oh God, enable me to finish well. And when in your wisdom you call him to your house, grant him your grace to die well, to leave this life in a way that is truly, fully commensurate with the gospel he has so faithfully proclaimed. Teach Frank and us that you are far more interested in our doing your will than we will ever be to do it, and that for those who truly want your will, it is far more difficult to miss than we can imagine. We offer our worship and make these requests, not only in the strong and yet precious name of Jesus, but for his glory, lead on. O King Eternal. Amen.
thank we give you the right hand of fellowship to take part in this ministry with us. You don't often hear prayer with that much wisdom. Be grateful. It is my privilege to make the pronouncement. I now pronounce and declare that teaching elder Frank Yuche Wang has been regularly elected, ordained, and installed assistant pastor of this congregation agreeable to the word of God and according to the constitution of the Presbyterian Church in America and that as such he is entitled to all support, encouragement, honor, and obedience in the Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. to embarrass you. Good. <laughs> Verse 7 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And then if you jump down to verse 17, that same chapter, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Have you ever heard Frank groan? It's not pretty. <laughs> this verse says, don't make him groan because you're an unruly, sorry excuse for the congregation. Just kidding. That's a very loose translation. But what it really says is, when you take joy in the Lord and you worship in spirit and in truth and you are conforming your life to the scriptures, then Frank will be overjoyed. You will bless him. This is a wonderful time having a new pastor. I know he's been here for a year and he's already ordained. Some of you remember the 10 years it took me, but um, he's quick like that, Princeton and all. But he's gone through all of these steps of ordination, and it's been wonderful to see him through the process. Um, but I know it's easy in our minds, especially those who are older, and I, Dr. Griff has already sort of alluded to this. Um, you know, it's so nice that the teens and the college students and the 20-somethings have their own pastor, right? And someone to 
hang out with and listen to them, someone to look up to. And it's easy to dismiss him as their pastor, right? But I want to remind you, no matter how old you are, that he is your pastor as well. He is a full teaching elder, totally official now. There's no junior attached to it, okay? When he preaches, I hope that you would listen as you would Dr. Dave or anyone that comes up. When he asks you to do something in the church or points to something in your life that needs some work or or any other pastoral duty, I hope that you give him the respect that he deserves. Remember, Hebrews said, submit to your leaders and imitate their faith. If you are a member, you took a vow to submit. And Frank is part of your session. Well, he's not part of the session technically, but he is an elder, assistant pastor. And none of those, the membership vows and Hebrews, they don't put an age minimum on that. Frankly, Frank is a godly man committed to his faith, his family, and this church. He has a high calling from God and will answer to the Lord someday for how he has conducted himself in ministry, as we all will. Will he make mistakes? Will he lose focus, get his priorities out of order sometime? Yeah, yes, we all do. Pray for him because the Lord is shaping him just like he's shaping you and me. I'd also like to remind you that uh, Frank's ministries run whether it's just him running them or he has a team. But they run so much better when he has volunteers, when he has a team next to him. Whether it's in youth ministry or reaching out to the college students or 20-something Sunday night dinners, whatever his ministry is, I would ask you to please consider helping him to serve in one of those areas. You will get a lot of joy. Maybe not every time. But youth ministry is unique. It needs other people to come alongside the youth pastor. And so Frank would love to build a team. And finally, I would charge you and ask you to love on Frank and Sarah and Nathaniel just as human beings. Don't wait until they invite you over for dinner, which they've been doing left and right, having lots of people over. Uh, Don't wait for them to connect with you. I already know if you're a teenager, he is connected with you. He's come over to your house. He's made you play board games with you, with him, you know, all those things. But the rest of the church, have them over, invite them to hang out, pray for them, offer free babysitting. This is much longer, but I think we've already hit so much of this. And I just want to charge you to do all of this with joy as God works in and through Frank and in and through this body. Thanks. Dr. Lee. Uh, Before I begin, I would like to... uh just extend a word of greeting from your brethren in the Mid-Atlantic Presbytery of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. 
I come here and I rejoice with all of you, the local congregation here at Potomac Hills on this very special day, as well as with my fellow brothers here within the Potomac Presbytery of the PCA, and of course, uh, personally with uh, my dear friend, now Pastor Frank Wang, and of course with his family. Uh, I should let you know, um, there are subtle differences between the OP uh, and the PCA, particularly a pastoral charge in my denomination is easily 15 to 20, sometimes 30 minutes long. So when I was asked to come and I was given a little less than a quarter of that, um, you can imagine, what am I gonna do here? Um, but I'm gonna do the best I can. And with that, uh, let me just get to the uh, point here, uh, Frank, and I give you this charge. From the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And for our purposes today, dear brother, I want to turn our attention particularly to the words of verse 2. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. No spectacular exegesis here, just a brief word of encouragement. Uh, largely broken up into two parts. The personal nature of this message and the proclamational nature of this message. For Paul, this was a very personal message. I long to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Of course, this isn't the only time in his letters that he stated anything like this. And I could go on all day citing from different passages of Paul where he emphasized the gospel ministry of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. For I, I delivered to you as a first importance that which I received, that Christ died for our sins. And this, of course, according to the scriptures. You see, for Paul, it was the gospel that changed everything for him. And for that reason, he just was compelled to share this with others. Pastor Frank, I want to uh, encourage you with this thought. The best way for you to be a blessing to these people as well as to your brothers behind you, is for you to grow in the grace of God for you. You see, we speak about that which is most passionate to us. This is the reason why parents can talk about their children all day long, why husbands can talk about their wives in good ways. <laughs> this is the reason why theologians can talk theology, pastors can talk about ministry, sports fans talk about their sports teams, and this is the reason why pastors preach Christ. This doesn't mean that you are to say anything less or more about yourself. It's a question of your value. What is it that you hold dear to your heart? In other words, pastors preach Christ not because this is what we are supposed to do, nor do pastors preach Christ because this is what we need to do. We preach Christ because this is what we want to do because we don't know what else to talk about. 
For Paul, the message of the cross was not just a mere concept to be understood and conceptualized and theorized. To know Jesus for him was life. It was hope, and it was joy. Make this personal to you. And with that, of course, Paul had that desire to proclaim it, to, to preach it, and to do so to the ends of the earth. Notice what he says there, to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. Paul knows the destructive powers of sin in the lives of God's people. And for that reason, he knows that what they need more than anything else is a constant daily reminder of the grace of Jesus Christ. Consider what is before these people, Frank. Destructive power of sin. The unavoidable penalty, you could say, of death. Imagine an individual or a congregation whose lives have been so burdened and devastated by this. Now imagine if you did not share Christ with them, but rather you decided to preach a message that described multiple steps that can be taken to have your best life now. No, Paul's desire was not to just see his name in the spotlight, but the name of Jesus Christ. Notice the common denominator in verses 3 and 4. Regarding himself, it was with you in weakness that I came in fear and much trembling. Regarding his sermon, my speech and my message were not plausible words of wisdom, nor of lofty speech. You see, neither the man nor the form of the message took center stage. It was Jesus Christ. Paul acknowledges that any impact of his ministry then is due to the power of the Spirit. It wasn't due to anything within himself. His giftedness, his abilities, his oratory skills, his background, his education, or even his intelligence. You see, the power of Paul's gospel came from the purity of the gospel. You see, Frank, sometimes the first duty of intelligent men is to restate that which is the most obvious. We don't need new truth. Truthfully, we don't even really need old truth. What we need is the one and only truth. Because if indeed it is true that the damage of sin is real and genuine and its guilt burdens the hearts of God's people, if it is true that our adversary is not flesh and blood, but the powers and principalities of this dark world, if indeed it is true that death comes to all and then the judgment of God, then let your life be focused on him who gave his life to free these people from the penalty and the power of sin. Let God's people see him who wears the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of truth. And let your words be centered upon him who silenced the powers of death in his own death in victorious resurrection and in our union with Christ gives us that same hope and victory as well. Let it be the name of Jesus Christ that be exalted and lifted up in your ministry of the word. And so with that, I give you again this charge. Decide to know nothing among them except Jesus Christ and him crucified. God bless you, dear friend. And let's pray again together. Father, we 
together and individually, we lift up this local body of Christ now with an additional man as one of its pastors. And we pray for this church and for this pastor. Lord, we pray for you to give them together a ministry that has enough tears to keep them aware of their need for the gospel. Enough tears to keep them from being satisfied with this world. Enough longings to point them to the truth of the good news. But enough joy and enough gladness to keep them excited as they minister together. Enough joy and enough gladness that they'd be encouraged as they proclaim the good news. Enough excitement that they would go from this place to their individual vocations with the gospel with them. Bless this church and bless now this pastor. Be with Frank and be with Potomac Hills, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thanks. We can all go sit down now.